is the definition of a late, late, late night show. Got off work a little bit late. It's been super crazy hectic at work as we are doing all kinds of new stuff at the bank. The Chicago Bears are on. Big Brother's on. A lot of things going on on Monday, October 26th. Doing a little bit of everything. So this is a late, 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 late night show. But it's cool because you can listen to this anytime. All it really affects is my sleeping schedule. But that's okay because I would rather do this than sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Because if you listen to Nas, sleep is the cousin of death. I've always believed that after I heard that in a song. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. So I am not a huge sleeper. I would rather be doing some productive. Rather be talking on the mic. Rather be doing podcasts any day of the week than sleep. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I would rather do for sure. Well, enough with the jibber-jabbering. Because we got a lot of sports jibber-jabbering to do. Lots of stuff going on in the sports world. So let's get to it. Like I said, the Bears went on. <sighs> 24-10 loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Bears now 5-2. Rams now 5-2. Pitiful. Pitiful. If you were a Chicago Bears fan, you were not happy after watching that game. Only Bears touchdown was a recovered fumble from Eddie Jackson, who ran it in. Thought he was going to get flagged again. He's already had two defensive touchdowns this season. Called back because of flags. Almost happened again. But it was offsides on the offense. So he gets a touchdown. That's the only score of the game. Only touchdown of the game. There was a field goal. The Bears offense looks atrocious. It doesn't matter if it's Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles. Neither one of them are getting the job done. It's sad to say that, but they're not. And they look awful trying to do it too. Just look awful. In the running game, there is no running game. David Montgomery had 48 yards on 14 touches. Not too good. Foles went 28 of 40, 261 yards, two interceptions, one in the red zone. The other one, late game, just trying to chuck it and hope somebody catches it. Allen Robinson, who is a monster and looks like he is going to develop into a huge star in the NFL, at least in my eyes. 70 yards on four catches. One of those was just a 50-50 ball that he leaped up and pushed dude out of his way and grabbed it. It was pretty awesome. He's gifted. He's really, really good. Hopefully we can keep him around for a while. But yeah, offense just looked rough. Just not good at all. And speaking of people keeping around for a while, somebody we did not keep around, decided to actually get rid of, Leonard Floyd, playing for the Rams, six tackles, two sacks, and two of those tackles were for a loss. Just looked like a monster. Aaron Donald, Studley, Jalen Ramsey in the secondary, I understand why nobody throws at him. I am not calling him Deion Sanders. I will never compare anybody to Deion Sanders. But this guy can do it all. He has the skill, the talent to be one of the greatest defensive backs we've seen, at least in this era, this generation. He's a monster. He stops everything. He's like the new Revis Island. It's Ramsey's world out there. Just a monster. Even though Chicago Bears 5-1, I mean, if you're a Chicago fan, you knew it was kind of false advertising. The Tampa Bay game, fluke. 
almost lost to the Lions, had to score three touchdowns in the fourth to start the season. The Giants game where had a 17-0 lead. They come back and you have to hold them off in the red zone at the end of the game. Just a lot of flukiness. The only game where you're like, okay, the Bears look good was last week against the Panthers. I thought Panthers were a middle-of-the-pack team right around the same place that the Bears are. And I think that's still the same now. Bears cannot contend with the better teams in the league, and neither can the Panthers. So when the Bears get matched up with a Rams or a Seahawks or a 49ers or Chiefs, Ravens, any of those teams, I am not going to think that they're winning. I had a slight chance, a slight hope that they could beat the Rams, but then watching the game, you're like, okay, you knew that wasn't going to happen. Just from the get-go, they just looked like they weren't even there, really. Like they weren't even trying to play. And that's set, of course, especially when that's your team. You want them to play well every time that you see them on TV, on the field, whatever. You just want them to play well. It didn't happen from the get-go. But I can sit here and bash the Bears all day. Don't want to do that. We have other things to get to, like high school sports, playoffs, continue, almost wrapping up for fall sports. And we have a special guest, Marissa Justy, LaSalle Peru graduate, went to LaSalle University for a year playing volleyball, and then the school cut sports programs, including volleyball, which still, to this day, drives me insane, like I don't get it. How do you cut volleyball? Besides softball and basketball, which are top sports, whether you are a man or a woman, volleyball is probably the top women's sport. I don't understand how a school would cut that. But Marissa had a weird opportunity, a weird situation where she had to pick a school. Where am I going to go? So we had the awesomeness of talking to her before she picked her new school while she still was searching, looking where she was going to go, and then talk to her again after she made her decision. So we have sort of kind of two interviews with Marissa, and it was a lot of fun. She's a really cool person. Always fun to talk to her. Talk some volleyball, talk about her future and what she's trying to do. Lots of good things, no doubt. Before we get to her, like I said, lots to break down. Let's go back to football. Look over week seven. Pick-wise, I did not do so hot. I went eight and six. I think what I went last week. Just the wrong side of a lot of close games. Start with Thursday. Giants-Eagles. I went Eagles. That was correct. Cowboys-Washington. Oh boy, was I wrong about this. A lot of people were. The Cowboys are a disaster. A train wreck. Andy Dalton, the backup quarterback after Dak Prescott was hurt, is on concussion protocol. They don't have him, which they didn't play well with him. Okay, it's over for the Cowboys. It's over. It's over. Washington won 25-3. That was insane. By the way, if you did not see the game on Thursday against Giants and Eagles, you missed out because that was an amazing game. Eagles came back won 22-21. The last, like, five minutes was awesome football between two not good teams. But it was a lot of fun. I like those games where you don't know who's going to win. They're both about the same. Not good. Pretty bad teams. But they have athletes, and they have people that know how to play the game. That's why they're in the NFL. So it was fun to watch. 
Lions, Falcons. I picked Falcons. I was wrong. Lions win 23-22. Browns, Bengals. I was right about this one. Browns edged it out 37-34. Even though they lost Odell Beckham with the ACL tear. The injuries that are going on in the NFL. I know every year we say, oh, the injuries, it's crazy. But it just seems like the amount of stars, the big names that are on the shelf right now is insane. My fantasy football team looks like a graveyard, even though I'm still undefeated, which I picked up the Washington defense because I had the Baltimore Ravens defense. They were on a bye, and Washington got me 20 points against Cowboys. My backup quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, has been playing awesome for Tennessee. So Dak Prescott goes out with his injury, I put in Ryan Tannehill. Not a bad backup to have. I think I got Tannehill in like the second to last round of the draft. Just like, hey, I'm going to need somebody on the Cowboys off week, their bye week. Well, I'm going <laughs> to need him the rest of the season because Dak isn't coming back. But it's unfortunate for Odell Beckham. You know, he's a great, great wide receiver. I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. Hopefully he can battle back from this ACL and be cool. Was just talking about Tannehill. I picked the Titans to beat the Steelers. I knew it was going to be a close game. And to me, it was the, the best game of the week. I watched the whole thing. Well, as much as I can, I ended up having to work on Sunday. Like I said, crazy, crazy hours. Working seems nonstop. But Steelers won 27-24. I did get this one correct in the close game scale, I guess. The Saints beat the Panthers 27-24. Bills, man, look like the Jets were going to hand them an L. I'm like, if you lose to the Jets, I have no faith in you anymore, Buffalo. But Buffalo came out on top, 18-10. I did have that one correct. I picked the Packers over the Texans. They blew them out 35-20. I was totally wrong about the Raiders. I went Raiders over Bucks. Bad idea. Tom Brady goes off. 45-20 victory for Tampa Bay. Chiefs, definitely read about this one. 43-16, blowout. 49ers, I was correct on, 33-6 over the Pats. The Pats are not a good team. I don't know why people think they are or that they're going to do something this year. They're not. They're really not. Their defense isn't that great. Offense is not gelling. Cam Newton, I don't think, is the right quarterback for Bill Belichick's system or they haven't worked together long enough to try to make it work. 33-6, loss to the 49ers. Chargers, man. 39-29 win over the Jags. I thought I was going to get that one wrong, but the Chargers held on. Cardinals knocking off Seahawks in overtime, 37-34. I definitely went Seahawks. I thought that was not a no-brainer. I know Cardinals are okay, but I didn't think they could match Seahawks' firepower. And they did, and they beat them. They outplayed them, or at least in overtime. They got the plays when they needed them to take the win. I briefly went over the Chiefs and Broncos game. Le'Veon Bell getting his first game with the Chiefs. Six carries, 39 yards, averaged 6.5 yards a carry. That's cool. I think the Chiefs are stacked. Got all kinds of great players. Just disappointed because I wanted to see what rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could do with just being the workhorse. Fast, can move. He had eight carries for 46 yards, averaged 5.8 yards a carry, but did have a touchdown. Obviously, with Le'Veon Bell there, he's going to lose some touches. 
And hopefully Le'Veon Bell is not a baby like he has been with the Jets and with the Steelers and demand the ball or disrupt what's going on in Kansas City. Because if he does, they need to get rid of him ASAP. I think he is a problem. Great athlete, can do all kinds of stuff, but just wants to get paid. Doesn't look like he's interested in playing the game unless it goes his way. I don't think Andy Reid is going to let that happen, but if it does, or if he tries to, get him out of there. I like the Chiefs. I like what they're doing. A lot of young players, good players. No reason to sabotage that or ruin it by kind of a greedy dude who would rather sit on the bench or not even show up and get paid than to be with his teammates to provide for a team that needs him because he is a very talented dude. So hopefully it works out. Hopefully you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still gets more carries, but I don't see that happening for long. There's only two more carries. Where the week before, he was killing it. Got the ball almost every other play. Maybe they're just doing that because I knew they had Le'Veon Bell coming the next week. So like, hey, let's feed him as much as we can this week because moving forward, it's not going to be like that. And I don't think it would. I don't see why it would. You have two dudes that could do anything you need them to. No reason to give the ball to only one of them. But it is the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. Things are always switching up. I guess that's what makes it fun, right? Don't want to know what's going to happen every week and everything's the same. There are so many switch-ups, rosters, injuries, concussions, moves on rosters, coaching decisions. That's what makes it something that we love. Gives us something to look at and be like, hmm, why did they do that? Hmm. But it's fun because then they'll answer back or even their post-conference. Hey, this is our team. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. One thing we should not leave alone is our physical health. Should always be working on that. Trying to be as healthy and live as long as we can, right? Since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley. A customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan, whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach. LP CrossFit's trained coaches tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of bodyweight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led, and all movements are infinitely scalable so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails. You'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. The fall season of high school sports is wrapping up. Only one event left, and that is Boys and Girls Cross Country Sectionals, which will be this Saturday, Halloween, October 31st. Hopefully they don't get scared and run away. Or maybe they do get scared and just run faster on the course. Hmm, never thought about it that way. But either way, 
It is the last event for IHSA Fall Sports. Since we do not have state tournaments, we can talk about that forever. But at least we've had some kind of season and some kind of postseason for tennis, golf, swimming, and cross country. This past Saturday, the 24th, we had regionals for boys and girls cross country and sectionals for girls swimming. Lots of awesomeness happened on Saturday, no doubt about that. Let's start with swimming. The Rock Island sectional. Remember, there are no classes in swimming. Whether you're a school with 8,000 people or a school with 100, if you have a swimming program, you're just going to the closest place. It doesn't matter the enrollment of your schools like it does for other sports, almost every other sport that has a class system. At the Rock Island sectional, Moline won it with a 221. Dunlap was second with 151. Rock Island was third with 75.5 points. The LP Ottawa Streeter Co-op took eighth with 53 points and Sterling had 12 points for 12th place. LaSalle Peru Jr. Peyton Haggie claimed her second sectional championship in a row in the 50-yard freestyle with a time of 24.57. Congrats, Peyton. That is amazing. Not only did she do that, won a sectional championship, she finished second place in two other events. She was second in the 100 freestyle, just barely. She finished 53.41 seconds, where Sophia Greco from Moline won with 53.27 seconds. Slightly, just slightly, it's like a fingertip. Peyton Heggie was also second in the 100 breaststroke. She finished with a time of one minute, 9.65 seconds. Rock Island's Olivia Scholl won with a one minute, 8.16 seconds. She was right there, right there. She was really close to claiming three sectional titles. Insane, really great swimmer. See what she can do next year. Hopefully there is a state tournament. See what she can do. But congratulations to Peyton Heggie and the LP co-op for everything that they were able to do this season. At the Byron sectional, Byron won it. 215 points to best Rockford Boylan's 153 for second and Hananiga's 142 for third. Byron had four winners. Well, three winners, four events. Sophomore Audrey Kilmer won the 200 freestyle with a 1 minute 55.24 second time. Katie Schilling, a junior, was the one that won two events. She won the 200 individual medley in 2 minutes 7.48 seconds and the 100 butterfly in 58.2 seconds. Junior Lacey Long won the diving event with a 364.25. So congrats to Byron. They did it up. They definitely did it up in the swimming pool. At the Lockport sectional, Morris was 10th with 14 points, while Lincoln Way East won it with 194. Lincoln Way West was second with 171. And Lincoln Way Central was third with 123 points. Those Lincoln Way schools, man, they're athletic. They know how to get the job done. For Morris, sophomore Kylie Claypool helped get some points with a ninth place in diving with 336.9 points. 
also in the swimming pool, DeKalb finished 11th with 3 points at the St. Charles North sectional. St. Charles North took it with 228, St. Charles East was 2nd with 204, and West Chicago was 3rd with 127. Tough day for DeKalb, a lot of young swimmers, lots of time to improve, waiting for next season. That is all in the swimming pool. Congrats to all the swimmers, LPs, Peyton Heggie, the LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa Streeter Co-op in general. Just a fantastic season. Always happy for Coach Rob McNally, who does a really, really amazing job with that team. Boys and girls cross-country action also happened on the 24th on Saturday. How this works, since there is a sectional, the top five teams and the top five individuals advance to sectionals. In 1A, all of the regionals that I'm going to discuss are going to Saturday's Seneca sectional. All of them in 1A. At the St. Bede 1A regional, for the boys, Amboy got a W. Their first regional championship in cross country. Congrats to the Clippers. I have had a couple members of the team on in Brock Loftus and Ian Eller. Friends of the podcast, doing it up all season and go out with a bang. Not even go out. They're setting up for a bigger bang at sectional. But they won it with a 50. 50 points for the Clippers. Newman out of Sterling was second with 92. Seneca had 97 points for third. Pontiac with 121 was fourth. And Fieldcrest had 129 for fifth. Those are the five teams that are advancing. Also teams that we're interested in. Mendota was eighth with a 191. St. Bede scored 262 for 9th. Henry Sinatuan had 269 points for 10th. Ottawa Marquette was 11th with 274. With 312, Hall was 12th. Newark had 328 for 13th. And Princeton finished with 366 points for 14th. Individually, the winner was senior Lucas Hoffman from Marquette. He was an individual not on a qualifying team. Congrats to him. 16 minutes, 33.23 seconds for Lucas Hoffman getting the W, the regional championship, out of the St. Bede Regional. Congrats to him. That is awesome. That's amazing. That's a really, really fast time. Amboy's Brock Loftus, who I had just mentioned as a friend of the podcast, a junior from Amboy, finished second with a 1652.75. Amboy also had a third place finish in Kyler McNich, who came in at 1707.65. For Fieldcrest, junior Mason Stoger had a 1711.11 for sixth place. Coming in at seventh was Seneca freshman Austin Aldridge with a 17 minute 15.48 run. Eight. Amboy again, Junior Ian Eller, also friend of the podcast, with a 1723.01. Fieldcrest took 10th with Christian Skaggs. He's a senior. Had a time of 1741.92. Couple other runners for Amboy. Sophomore Charlie Dickinson, 15th place with an 18-minute 7.91 run. Junior Andrew Jones was 23rd with 18 minutes. 38.86 seconds. The places of these might be misorganized, 
but I went by the school finish. So if they finish of this school was higher than another one, I took those kids first when I wrote them down because I wanted to talk about as many people as possible. So I went by school. Some of the places might be misorganized when I say them here. But Newman, who finished second as a team, had an 11th and 12th place finish, both freshmen. So Newman could be really good for quite a while here. Lucas Simpson was 11th with a 17-minute, 43.55-second run. Landon Summers was 12th with a 17.45.2. Mendota's best finish was junior Alex Hermosillo with 18 minutes, 53.7 seconds. St. Bede's junior Daniel Dagash, 18 minutes, 56.53 seconds for 37th place. Henry Snatchewan's freshman Preston Rowe was 36th with an 18 minute, 56.48 finish. Ed Artiaga, a senior out of Hall, was 27th with a time of 1846.4. Newark senior Logan Benish was 43rd with a 19 minute, 5.8 second. Princeton had junior Mark Williams come in at 19 minutes, 17.63 seconds. Earlville sophomore Diego Vasquez with an 18 minute 38.43 was 22nd. And Putnam County had Joey Cherdowski end his junior year with 47th place, 19 minutes, 14.68 seconds. Lots of local awesomeness in the St. Bede Regional. Glad they got to run. Glad we had some advancers, some winners. It's always fantastic. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like to see people win? I want to win. I want people around me to win. I want them to win so that we can talk about them winning. It only makes sense, right? For the girls at the St. Bede Regional, Rock Falls earns the regional championship with a 29. Seneca was second with a 55. Henry Sanchuan took third with 102. Princeton scored 112 points for fourth. With a 114, Amboy was fifth. Low Point Washburn took sixth with a 172. Ottawa Marquette at 177 points for seventh. With 190, St. B took eighth. And Fieldcrest came in ninth with 214 points. The winner for the St. B Girls Regional 1A was Rock Falls Jr. Kalen Gowrap with a 20-minute 11.16 run. Rock Falls sophomore Gracie Rippey was second with a 20-23.8. Serena had a third and fourth place finish. Sophomore Ashley Alsvig came in third with a 20-28.72. And senior Amber Roman had a 21-minute 13.44 run. Rounding up the Top five was Henry Sanchuan Jr., Nikita Kessling, who came in 21 minutes, 17.19 seconds. She is a phenomenal athlete. I have seen her as a freshman and sophomore really fast, really, really fast and excited about running. So for her to get fifth place is fantastic. As a junior, another year to go, and I know she is only going to improve. Princeton's. Lexi Bohms came in 8th place with a 21-29.24. She's a sophomore. Coming in 10th was St. B. Junior Brady Mudge. She's advancing as a 
individual not on a qualifying team as she took 10th place with a 21 minute 35.3 run. Amboy Junior Lauren Althouse finished 11th with a 21-36.84 to help Amboy qualify as a team. Also joining St. Bede's Brady Mudge as an individual qualifying was Marquette freshman Lily Craig, who was 18th with a 22-minute, 24.88 run. Newman's best finisher was Claire Christian with a 29th place run of 23-18.49. Mendota sophomore Elena Noslik came in 31st with a 23-minute, 43.59-second finish. Newark's Gwyneth O'Connell was 35th with a 24, 30.51 run. Hall took 47th with senior Reagan Hassey, 25 minutes, 1.3 seconds. Congratulations to the girls also. Not easy to put up those times in advance to the Seneca sectional on October 31st. At the Rock Island Alderman Regional, for the boys, Sherrard won it with a 46. Riverdale was second with 61. Mercer County third with a 117. Prophetstown fourth with a 118. And Rock Island Alderman advanced the sectional out of their own regional with 125. Kiwani was 6th with a 178. Burrow Valley took 10th with a 298. Anawan Weathersfield scored a 320 for 12. The winner was Sherrard Sr. Jacob Bella with a 15 minute, 22 second run. Kiwani Jr. Colin Banchelman advanced the sectional with a 13th place, 1654. For Anawan Weathersfield, Sophomore Coy McKibben came in 18th with a 17-10, and Burrow Valley's sophomore Elijah House had a 17-16 for 21st. In the girls' side of things, Rock Island Alleman was victorious with a 27. Stark County had 94 for second. Cambridge was third with 100. Orion fourth with a 107, and Mercer County with 109 was fifth. Anawan Weathersfield finished with 198 for 7th. Burrow Valley racked up 335 for 13th. The winner was Rock Island Alderman senior Maddie Kindlesperger, who had a run of 1804 to take the regional. Anawan Weathersfield freshman Kennedy Anderson had a run of 1838 for 2nd. She qualified as an individual, and so did Anawan Weathersfield sophomore Daniel Johnson, who had an 18th place finish, 20 minutes and 42 seconds. Kiwani's best time was freshman Natalie Martin, who finished 33rd with 21.38. And Burrow Valley's best finisher was senior Paige Wagner, who with a time of 23.49 took 53rd. The advancers, teams, and individuals out of there also going to Seneca. At the 1A Oregon Regional for the boys, Rockford Christian victorious with a 22. East Dubuque second with an 81. Byron came in third with a 116. And Oregon finished ninth with a 187. Advancing out of the Oregon sectional, four teams. Rockford Christian got the W, the regional plaque with a 22. East Dubuque, 
scored 81 points for second. Byron scored 116 for third. With a 122, Durand was fourth. And Rockford Lutheran was fifth with a 131. Oregon tallied 187 points for ninth place. Winning the regional for the boys was Rockford Christian Sr. The Artagon Beaver, who had a 17-minute, 31.1 run. Byron had two top 20 finishers, one top 10, as senior Samuel Lewis was 8th with a 18-minute, 9.7 run. And Carter Conderman, a junior, had a run of 1841.8 for 17th. Oregon's best finisher was senior Ryan Hussing, who with a 19 19.5 was 29. For the girls portion, Winnebago took it all with a 21. Rockford Christian had a 65 for second. Oregon tallied 109 for third. Eastland out Atlantic had a 131 points for fourth. Byron 149 points for fifth. The winner was Winnebago senior Natalia Martin, who had a run of 1854.2. Byron Jr. Rebecca Starwalt was ninth with a 21-minute 11.6 run. Oregon Jr. Faith Marquette had a run of 21.54.4 for 12th. Byron freshman Sarah Tillich had a run of 22.33 for 13th. And coming in 15th, Oregon Senior Leah Waters with a 22.13.3. I know it's a lot of names and a lot of times, but it's awesome. You only get to do this once. Cross country is kind of fun. So swimming, so okay, so it's all sports. So we gotta talk about them. Gotta put the spotlight on these athletes as they're doing some amazing, awesome things. Moving on to Class 2A, the 2A Morris Regional. Again, top five teams and individuals advance. Lamont won with a 35. Geneseo took second with a 45. Morris was third with a 72. LaSalle Peru was fourth with a 111 advancing. Chicago Heights was fifth with a 145. Streeter, 179 was sixth. And Ottawa had a 199 for eighth. Geneseo and Morris were all over the top of the leaderboard. Geneseo senior William Plumley won the regional with a 16 minute 15.2 run. But there were tons of guys right behind him. Lamont senior Nick Kenya was second with a 16, 16.3. LaSalle Peru junior Ryan Hartman took third with a 16 minute, 27.5 run. Morris junior Matt Clark was fifth with a 16, 30.6. Streeters sophomore Cody Danko finished with a 1637.4. He's advancing as an individual. Geneseo then had 9th, 10th, and 11th. Senior Lucas Nitch with a 1654.6 was 9th. Junior Justin Johnson, 1658.5 for 10th. Gavin Allison, 17 minutes, 0.6 seconds for 11th. Morris then took 12th and 13th with senior Nick Ferrero, 17 minutes, 6.1 seconds. Sophomore Caden Welch, 17 minutes, 8.4 seconds. Then Geneseo comes back with a 14th place finish from sophomore Tyler Gell, 17 minutes, 
15.4 seconds. LP took 21st from Junior Matt Beard with a 17.48.4 and 25th from LP freshman Avery Lewick with an 18 minute 7.1 second run. Ottawa sophomore Liam Tipple is advancing as he finished 20th with a 17 minute 41 second run. The girl side of things, Geneseo was all over the top of the leaderboard, 25 points. Lamont second with 65 points. Providence took third with 72. Morris was fourth with a 114. Ottawa was fifth with a 156. Streeter came in sixth with a 172. And LP with 189 points was eighth. The individual leaderboard. Morris sophomore Joy Dudley gets the win with a 19 minute 24.3 run. Then Geneseo took second, third, fourth, and fifth. Senior Esther Brown with the second place finish of 19, 24.4. Senior Avery Magerker, 19 minutes, 29.7 for third. Jade Flowers, the sophomore, 19 minutes, 31.9 for fourth. Junior Lacey Laxton, 19 minutes, 53.6 seconds for fifth. Ottawa Junior Laney Billings, 20, 37.8 for 10th. Geneseo back at it with 11th and 12th. Sophomore, Jezalyn Belleville, 20 minutes, 41.1 seconds for 11th. And junior, Anna Snyder, 20 minutes, 47.8 seconds for 12th. Streeter advances. Senior, Abby Seaton, who had a 21-minute, 16.8 run for 17th. She advances as an individual. And so does Streeter freshman, Lily Kupek, who had a 21-46.1. In the middle of the streeter finishers was Ottawa senior Lexi Jett, who had a 21-21.4, but she's on Ottawa, who advances a team. And also advancing was LP junior Brianna Pijanowski, who was 26th. Lots of top finishers at the 2A Kalen Regional as well. For the boys, with 63 points, Kalen taking their own plaque home, or just putting it in the gym. Or the trophy case. They win it with the 63. Burlington Central, 78 points for second. Hampshire with 79 was third. Sycamore took fourth with 80. Fifth was Aurora Marmion with 112 points. Sandwich, 177 for sixth. Sterling scored 187 for seventh. Dixon with 194 for eighth. And Plano, 222 points for ninth place on the boys' side. Dixon senior Caden Grafton, crazy fast, wins it in 15 minutes, 38.51 seconds. Sycamore junior Nicholas Kohler was 8th with a 16 minute, 20.39. Also from Sycamore, senior Jack Cambier, 16 minutes, 22.93 for 10th. Caden Grafton, the winner from Dixon, he advances the individual since Dixon finished 8th. Coming in at 12th was Sandwich senior Steve Aguilar with a 16-28-22. He advances as an individual. Sycamore freshman Nalif Aharbi was 15th with a 16-35.51. Plano senior Martin Diaz, 16-42.47 to advance as an individual coming in 20th. 21st was Sycamore senior Donnie Grammer. 16 minutes, 
46.87 seconds. 22nd, advancing as an individual. Sterling Senior, Javon Bruce, 16 minutes, 47.23 seconds. Also advancing as an individual was sandwich sophomore Wyatt Miller with a 16 minute, 57.3 run for 29th place. Dixon freshman Emma Smith led the Dixon onslaught at the Kalen Regional for the girls. 23 points for Dixon for the regional win. Kalen was second with 74, Burlington Central third with 88, Sycamore fourth with 94. Coming in fifth was Sterling with 125, with 131 was Sandwich for sixth, and Plano came in eighth with a 238. Like I said, Emma Smith, the freshman, with a 19.4.6 run, won it. But Dixon had three of the top five, five of the top ten, and seven of the top 21. They were everywhere. Following Emma Smith were two Dixon seniors, Jade Miller was second with a 19.27.4, and Taylor Hills was third with a 19.40.9. Coming in seventh and eighth were Sycamore representatives. Freshman Haley King was 7th with a 19.52.5 and junior Lily Baker was 8th with a 19.53.3. Dixon then took 9th and 10th. Sophomore Emily Conderman with a 20 minute 6.5 seconds time. Freshman Keely Mick with a time of 20 minutes 10.4 seconds took 10th. Durling's Kylie Nicholas, the sophomore, had a 20.13.2 for 11th. Sandwich took 13 and 14 with senior Claire Roberts and sophomore Eliana Stahl. Their times of 20 minutes 34.7 seconds and 20 minutes 38.3 seconds. 16th was freshman Telia Went from Dixon. 20 minutes 43.2 seconds. Sterling senior Mika Martinez came in at 18th with a 20 minute 45.2 run. Also, freshman from Dixon, Laney Lapin with a 20 minute 55.2 second run for 21st place. And at the 3A Rockford Guilford Boys and Girls Cross Country Regional, for the boys, DeKalb had two top five finishers, including Raleigh Newport, the sophomore, with the regional victory in a time of 15.53.96. Alex Boyden was fourth. They 16.28.09. The girls, DeKalb finished seventh with the 204. The advancing teams, Huntley with the 42, they won the regional. Hananiga, 52 for second. Algonquin, and 95 for third. With 110 points, Dundee Crown was fourth. And with 124, Rockford Auburn was fifth. The winner of the race for the girls was Michelle Gasmund. Sophomore from Rockford Guilford with an 1842. The two best finishers for DeKalb are also advancing to sectional. Coming in in 19th place was junior Anika Birchill with a 20 minute 31.33 run. And coming in 26th was junior Leah Valentiner with a 20 minute 54.53 finish. Like I said, lots of names, lots of times, but lots of awesomeness. Congratulations to everybody advanced. Congratulations to everybody that even if you didn't advance, you got on the course, you showed what you were made of, and had fun running the course. 
That's what it's all about. The student athletes in high school don't have to worry about it yet. But what it's about for older people, adults, is taking care of our homes. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. Family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, garage additions, room additions, and remodels. Brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson have been in construction for over 10 years and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email at olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. This is a super long intro, but I am not done yet. We have to talk about the World Series. Two games have passed since the last episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The Dodgers are now up 3-2 going into Tuesday's Game 6. Dodgers defeated the Rays 4-2 on Sunday. The game before that, Game 4, was crazy. Rays came back. Home runs. Great hits. Timely defense. Man, this World Series has been a lot of fun to watch. Not really a fan of either team. Don't really care who wins. It would be cool to see Clayton Kershaw get a ring. One of the best pitchers. He probably is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Been around for a while and been dominant for such a long time. So I give the Dodgers the edge just because of him. But if the Rays take it, I'm not going to be mad. And I'm definitely not going to be mad now because that means there was a Game 7. Who doesn't love Game 7s? If you don't, then you're not a real sports fan. Just saying. But Sunday's game, Kershaw broke a record for the most Ks in the postseason. Now has 206. In the game, tallied the win. 5.2 innings pitched, 6 Ks, 2 walks, 5 hits, 2 earned runs for a 2.31 earned run average in ERA. If you didn't know, that's what ERA stands for. For the Rays, Tyler Glasnow took the L, pitched for 5 innings, allowing 6 hits, 4 earned runs, he struck out 7, he did allow 2 home runs, you can't forget to mention that, and 9.64 ERA, not getting that done in the World Series. Definitely have to mention Kevin Kiermeyer, the center fielder for the Rays. He has been lights out this entire World Series. Hit the monster home run in Game 4 to tie up the series at 2-2. Just seems to be doing everything he needs to at the bottom of the lineup. He's not a top-of-the-order guy. Bats towards the bottom and is just coming up with timely hits, timely bombs, timely everything for the Rays to try to beat the Dodgers. He was 2-for-3 in yesterday's Game 5 and scored a run. He's my MVP from the Rays. Kershaw's got to be my MVP from the Dodgers. They're hitting the ball well, but Kershaw allowed two runs in the third, goes two more innings, almost a third, 
Doesn't allow any more. Holds it there, and Rays can't do anything after that. Just a great pitcher. I could talk about him all day. 6-4, left-hander. He was born to be an amazing pitcher. No doubt. Well, I think I got it all in. I would say in a timely fashion, but it's a podcast. Take as much time as you want. That's what's beautiful about these things. Well, thank you for listening as always. Always appreciate the listens. We'll be back tomorrow with episode 125. This is 124. Don't know if I've mentioned that before. But Marissa Justy, the guest on 124. 125 will be St. Bede's senior Bo Gerber. He's not only a baseball player. He's not only a student. He's becoming a pilot. I'm just going to leave it like that. You'll have to come back and listen to get the full story. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Social media, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook, and Twitter is Edge of Your CP. Check us out. Contact us if you have any questions, suggestions, anything you want to bring to our attention. You can also do that via email, Edge of Your Seat Podcast at gmail.com huge shout out to brian cavelli who does the intro and outro b for edge of your seat podcast i think that's all the plugs it's pretty late because of schedules this has already been moved around a few times trying to get this out as soon as possible so we can enjoy marissa justy and her amazing story of trying to find a school after not having a school just wanting to play volleyball and be a student athlete So let's get to it. Let's get to Marissa. Until next time. Peace. I feel like it's almost a show of like Carmen Sandiego. Where is Carmen Sandiego? Or you're looking through a book of Where's Waldo. It's kind of what my guest today is going through right now. LaSalle Peru graduate, was at LaSalle University. I am talking about Marissa Justy. How's it going, Marissa? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm sorry I'm, you know, tying you in with Where's Waldo and Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. But it's kind of what's going on right now, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. You went to LaSalle University to play volleyball after graduating from LaSalle Peru High School in 2019. This is your sophomore season, and then LaSalle decides not to have a program, and you're searching for somewhere to go. Yes, correct. So what happened in LaSalle where they decided to pull the volleyball program? Yeah, so it was something our team definitely was not expecting. We were uh, third in the conference this year, the best the team has ever performed for LaSalle. And uh, we just got on this Zoom call, and honestly, we were expecting as a team for them to say, hey, you guys are welcome back to campus. We have been remote all semester online, so we've been eagerly waiting to go back and get into the gym. And so we were thinking that that was was what that call was going to be about. And instead, it was saying that they were cutting uh, eight programs, and volleyball was one of them. So that was unfortunate news. Wow. How did you feel when you first got that? Did you start, did you shed a tear? Did you, were you just disappointed? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was the entire athletic uh, community on that call, and it was like a Zoom call, so, you know, you could see everybody's faces, and everybody, you know, everybody was crying. It was just, it wasn't, you know, I felt it wasn't the way to go about things, Uh personally and nobody felt that way and everybody was really upset so yeah so on a zoom call they 
pretty much shattered or changed the lives of many, many people that went to the school to play athletics, got scholarships and full rides and all that good stuff, and then bam, just shattered all that in a Zoom call. Yes, about 15 minute Zoom call. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was released actually. We got the news about five minutes maybe before they uh, posted everything on social media, so it wasn't a very big time gap in between that. So to make it even more insane, they're like, "Hey, we're pulling these programs. Wait three minutes. We're going to put it on Twitter and Facebook." Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow! 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 How did that make you feel as, you know, somebody that was probably loyal to the program, loyal to the school, you were happy to be there, it's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're from LaSalle, Illinois, so you're half a country away to go to the school, and then they're like, hey, we're going to take this from you, no need for you to be here. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, like, heartbreaking news, like, our team, that's the one thing that drew me there the most, was just how close our team was, and how we all connected, you know, we're with each other every day in the gym, or not in the gym, you know, we're always finding a way to meet up with each other and we're just a close team. So I think just thinking of that and how we wouldn't be able to see each other every day is honestly what probably hurt the most. But yeah, like I said, um, I, you know, my year out there, I did find myself loving the East Coast. So that aspect definitely sucks also. But it was just the fact that we were not even expecting it, had no idea that it was coming. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... So was it because of COVID-19? Did they not have the funding for the programs? Or why did they decide to just cut them like that? When we had our meeting with our athletic director, he actually was a new athletic director, came from Northwestern last year. He told us that he wanted to try to fully fund every program at that school. We have about 25 athletics. And uh, not every athletic team was fully funded. Volleyball was and, you know, some other programs. But not every program was. So he wanted to cut certain programs so that he could fully fund all of the other programs and give them that experience. So he went about that by um, cutting certain programs. How do you cut volleyball? That drives me. That, yeah. That is we insane. Had, we had no idea. I mean, it was, it is insane. And, and like I said, it's not that, you know, it's not like we were a bad team. We just, we just got a new locker room last year donated by one of the um, alumni's family donated the locker room to us. We got third in the conference, like I said, and we were on the rising, you know, we were getting better in the conference, so it was just, like, heartbreaking. What were a few of the other programs that they axed? So, that's the other part where we were like, how how do you cut that? Um, baseball was cut, which they actually had this big Dave Portnoy barstool uh, at Barstool Sports. He actually is trying to save LaSalle baseball. There's this huge thing on social media, which is kind of cool. But um, I'm not sure Title IX will, uh, will approve with that. But anyway, baseball, softball, they kept men's water polo, or kept women's water polo, cut men's water polo. It was just a weird situation how they were keeping some teams and cutting others, and nobody really understood that, so a lot of girls had questions. It was odd. <laughs> wow. So you keep water polo for women, but take away volleyball, which is probably, I'm going to say, number two behind softball in women's sports in college. Right, yeah, and our, you know, like, not to bash our water polo team or anything like that, they're great girls, but they went 1-31 last year, and our program finished third, you know, it just didn't make sense success-wise if that was why they were claiming to cut some of the programs, but um, it just, none of it made sense to us. Wow, I will never understand that. I'm going to go and read a few stories. I did read one or two before speaking with you, so I knew a little bit of the background, but I will never get that. I will never understand that at all. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> moving from there, um, like I said, Carmen San Diego, where is Waldo? Where is Marissa? Where are you looking for going to school next year? Yeah, so this past weekend was pretty busy for me. I had a uh, four stop, so I stopped at Butler in Indiana. I stopped at Southern Illinois University, Southeast Missouri State, and St. Louis. So those are kind of the four that I'm looking at right now. Um, I decided to maybe, you know, there was a few that reached out from farther away, but I thought maybe I should, you know, stay close and see how that would work. You know, my family can come to games, my friends can come to games, and uh, I'd see more of more of them, so that's nice. I am not saying this to try to recruit you to SIU, but I am an alumni there, and <laughs> Carbondale is awesome, just to say that. It was. It was a neat town, for sure. And I saw the photos that you had on Twitter of you in front of the the stadium and stuff like that. My senior year, that stadium and the football field were all redone. Yeah, they were nice. It was definitely cool. It was a cool... Uh cool campus and I enjoyed it. It was, it was different because there was no, I didn't see many students on campus, so I don't know if Illinois made it work over, you know, campus right now, but that was the only difference from the other schools. There wasn't really any kids I saw walking around campus. Yeah, they got like a machine that you just walk in in your dorm room and you instantly pop up in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy it though. It was cool. Yeah, definitely, like I said, not trying to lure you there, not have you on this <laughs> podcast to be like, oh, you got to go to Southern, but I saw the photos and I was happy that you at least got to go check it out. SIU yeah. is a really cool place to be. Yeah, and they have a good they have a good program, which um, I'm looking at too, so that's good. Definitely. I've also been to, did you say Southeast Missouri? Yeah. I've been there too, SEMO, a lot of fun. I went there for a couple basketball games for SIU, and that is a really cool campus and a cool place to be as well. Yeah, that was one of the schools top on my list. I really enjoyed enjoyed that campus and the faculty and uh, things like that, so that was cool. Perfect. You did say yeah. earlier, you know, you were in Philadelphia, love the East Coast, so why are you looking in Indiana, Illinois, this area again? Definitely, you know, the East Coast is always going to have a special place in my heart. I do really enjoy it. And I, uh, you know, Boston's actually my favorite city, so hopefully I'll make my way uh, back out there after college. But um, I think these next few years, it will be nice to uh, have family and friends close. And um, being on the East Coast, I, I only had one of my friends come to one of my games. You know, she got to fly out. It didn't really work with everyone's schedules because you are so far. You know, you have to book flights and things like that. So I think it'll be nice uh, being close these next few years for, for that reason. Definitely. And even no SIU, SEMO, a couple of the other schools that you said are closer than Philadelphia. You still have that travel. I mean, from LaSalle to Carbondale is like four and a half hours. Yeah, definitely. Uh, driving distance. So, you know, it is closer. I would fly, fly to school uh, every time I left and went back for LaSalle. And I think, you know, the four to five hour range or even like two to three, it's a good, it's a good distance to where you're not going to want to come home all the time, but you can if you needed to or, you know. Yeah, and your friends would be like, hey, we're going to college with Marissa. Right, and they'll, they'll right, want to yeah. drive that, too, so it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, getting into a plane, getting a, maybe not a hotel, but trying to find somewhere to stay in five states over, that's a little tough. Where are you currently at right now? Are you back in the area? Or are you still looking? Are you still out of college? Yeah, no, I just got back uh, yesterday night, so I'm at home in Peru. Do you have any more college visits in the schedule? Um, I was talking to some schools, uh, two of them on the West Coast and one of them on the East Coast, but I think uh, I've narrowed it down to the few around here for uh, 
the reasons I listed before. But, um, you know, all, it was cool talking to, like, all of these different schools. It's definitely – it's just weird because it's like I'm starting that recruiting process over again, but my time limit is so crunched because I had to be starting, yeah, in the spring. So it's crazy. Are you still doing classes for LaSalle right now on, like, uh, I guess, e-learning type of deal? Yeah, so I am taking classes for LaSalle, like, all remote from my house. So still a student, just not an athlete because the program isn't there. Right, right. That would make me not even want to do the schoolwork. So it does, it does. Every day I have to, I have to think, you know what, I need this GPA for the next school I'm going to. <laughs> so I got to keep doing so, this. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that would be hard for me to do. I'd be like, no, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. So even though you are, I guess, still a student at LaSalle, are you just doing the work from home? Are you planning on going back there or just going to stay around here now? I'm going to finish up this semester uh, online. And then, uh, you know, my plan is to be be done with LaSalle after this semester because uh, I'll be at hopefully a new spot with uh, a new team to where I can be playing the sport again. So, Do you already have all your stuff to move out of there and back home? I do, yes. How is it for you as an athlete? Like you said, you're going through this recruiting process all over again, but to be a Division One volleyball player and to have the options to pick a different school and coaches and teams want you to come in, how does that make you feel as a volleyball player? Yeah, honestly, when I started this recruiting like process over again, I was like, Dad, I'm not sure I'm going to get, you know, I was hoping to get somebody to reach, you know, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to continue playing volleyball. So having these people reach out to me, I've, Felt really thankful, and you know, I'm glad that I can uh, keep playing the sport that I love, so I'm very thankful for that opportunity. Well, I'm happy for you. It sounds like even though there was a screwball thrown at you, things are crazy, you're, you know, getting back on your feet and moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to, right? Yeah, no choice. I know you're a volleyball player, but are you paying attention to any of the other sports going on? Los Angeles Lakers just won a championship with LeBron. Did you pay any attention to that? Uh, a little bit. I'm, uh, I've been more watching more of the uh, NFL, but um, yes, definitely I know, you know LeBron is getting some, you know, I have a lot of friends, a lot of guy friends that are into basketball, and they're always talking about LeBron and, you know, the controversy between who's better of certain players, so... I hear a little bit about it every now and then, and I watch a few games every now and then, but I am more of a, you know, football or baseball type of person. You don't have to say certain players. We all know you're speaking Michael <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> I am, yes, yes, Michael Jordan. <laughs> we have that debate on this show quite often. You know, my say on that, I just think Jordan, Jordan all the way, but I know other people have different, <laughs> different views on that. It's almost starting to become just as big as, like, a political debate. It's like Biden. Yes, people are getting heated about it, for sure. Yeah, it's like Biden and Trump, LeBron and Jordan. It's starting to get crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think I enjoy college basketball a little bit better than the NBA. So that's just something about that. But for professional sports, I think football and baseball are more. Real quick, before we get to football and baseball, who's your favorite college basketball team? College basketball team? That's tough. You know, obviously at LaSalle, I was hoping LaSalle would do great things, whatever. As for, like, you know, being, like, a big program and whatever, uh, I can say I hate Duke. I do not, I'm not a fan of Duke at all. But I actually like uh, Gonzaga a lot. They're just a school that I like that I followed a little bit um, in previous years. But, yeah, I, I have some friends that are really into Duke basketball, and I just don't like, you know, 
don't like it. <laughs> I've never really been a big fan of Duke either, besides SIU, since I went there. And we actually made it to the Sweet 16 my junior year. That was fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. That was fantastic. But other than that, I got to go North Carolina. I was just about to say, yeah, I'm a fan of North Carolina, especially over Duke. I don't know, they had that coach forever, and I'm just, I could never get myself to. I feel like, you know, everybody's like, Duke, Duke, everybody, if they get an opportunity to go there, they're obviously going to take it, basketball-wise, but I don't know. <laughs> I, know I mean, if they gave me a basketball scholarship, I'm going, but yeah. Right, right, yeah, I mean, I would be thinking the same thing, for sure. All right, football-wise. Since you were in Pennsylvania, did the Steelers pop up in there and take over from, like, a Chicago Bears or Green Bay Packers? Uh, yeah, the Steelers are definitely uh, what our family watches the most. My dad grew up watching the Steelers, and I grew up watching the Steelers, and that's just the team that we've always watched, so it's kind of ironic that I ended up in Pennsylvania for a year. Did the Steelers have anything to do with you going to Pennsylvania? Actually, no. It was just kind of a bonus on my dad's end. He was like, I can come watch some games or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. Did he get one in or did he not because of COVID? He didn't. He did not. That's a bummer for him, too. Yeah, definitely. He's been to a few in Pittsburgh, just not when I was there. Gotcha. What's your dad's name? Terry Justy. Got to give Terry props. I mean, as a kid, go to school in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, not too far from the Steelers, and then he doesn't get a chance. So I got to give him a shout out. Yeah, yeah. What is it about the Steelers? Uh, you know, my dad, he actually is from Cedar Point, Illinois. You know, my grandpa, so my dad's dad, was a Steelers fan. It's kind of just been like a tradition passing it down. And he's been a fan, and then I grew up watching them. And, you know, my other side of the family, they're like, come on, you have to be a Bears fan. And, you know, it's funny because we've got one half the family Steelers, one half the family Bears, and uh, I have to be on the Steelers side. Let's play a game. Since we're talking about the Steelers, it's obviously your favorite football team. Let's play a game now and then. Let's get your favorite Steelers player of all time and your current favorite Steelers player. Yeah, my current favorite Steelers player, I have been really into uh, Juju Smith, uh, Schuster, Juju. He's just funny to watch, and uh, he's got TikTok, which is like seems to be a pretty uh, popular platform right now, and he's just hilarious on that app, and I just... I think he's a funny player to watch. He's got some dance moves on the on the field, so I enjoy watching him. Past, I didn't know uh, very many past Steelers players, but my dad's favorite was uh, the outside linebacker, uh, Jack Ham. But I know of, uh, obviously, Walter Payton from the Bears. He's just a classic player, so I consider him to be my favorite past player for the NFL. Okay, now you're crisscrossing over to the Bears. So you... Right, right. Are you on that fine line of your family? I thought you said Steelers, but now you're saying Bears. No, definitely Steelers, but like I said, uh, before I was born, so a while ago, you know, I didn't know any players on, on Pittsburgh, and I did know of Walter Payton because he was pretty popular and just a good person, so. Definitely, definitely. Makes sense. It does make sense. I know you're also a baseball fan. You said that earlier. Do you rep Chicago there, Chicago Cubs or White Sox? I do. I'm always repping the Chicago Cubs. We have to do it again. Let's play now and then for the Cubs. Who are your favorite player of all time? And who's your favorite player now for the Cubs? Yeah, players now, uh, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo does a lot for uh, the city of Chicago with cancer and uh, kids with cancer. He just seems like a very good person and uh, definitely uh, does his job on the field. Pass, again, you're catching me. You're catching me here with the pass players. Not on the Cubs, but, you know, I know, you know, the classic favorite Jackie Robinson situation. I don't really know any specific past uh, Cubs players. Definitely, uh, in my time, uh, Anthony Rizzo's got a special place in my heart. For sure, for sure. 
Well, thank you for playing the game now and then with us. Thank you for joining, talking about your situation with LaSalle University, your recruitment process of trying to get another school. I know you got things to do, so I'm going to let you go. Thanks again, Marissa. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Just a few days ago, I talked to Marissa Justy, and she was looking for a school. LaSalle University decided to do away with some sports programs, including volleyball, leaving her teamless. She was searching for somewhere, was going on a few trips, seen on Twitter that she announced where she's going. Now Marissa joins us to say where she's going on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Where are you headed to, Marissa? I am going to Butler University. That has got to be very exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm really happy that it worked out. When did you officially find out you are going to go to Butler? Uh, I officially found out two days ago. I officially found out two days ago, but I didn't release uh, release anything until last night. Okay, and today is October 16th, a Friday, so the 14th on Wednesday, you knew you were going to Butler. Yes. That is fantastic. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. It was, uh, it was a good choice, I think. Uh, like I said, it's a little bit closer to home. I, I love the East Coast, but uh, it's great to be back to where I can see some family and friends uh, more often. What was it about Butler? Was it the coach, the team, the surroundings, or a little bit of everything? Yeah, uh, it was definitely a little bit of everything. The coach has been there for a really long time. The entire coaching staff is uh, very experienced, so I'm glad to be a part of that. The team was very welcoming. Like I said, it's close to home, but... Uh, one of the actual uh, important factors was that they had a sports media program, which is what exactly what I want to go into, and they have one of the best programs in the country, so that was awesome that I could find that and also continue to play a sport there, so that was huge for me. I almost said kill two birds with one stone, but it's kind of like three. You're closer to home, you get to play volleyball, and you get to go to school for what you want to. Right, exactly, yeah. And sorry for the birds. I didn't mean to kill any birds with a stone. I was just saying. (laughs) Well, that is very, very cool. Thank you, yeah. When did you go to a visit there? I visited there last Friday. Just loved the campus. Uh, Loved everything about it. Indianapolis has a lot of professional sports teams, so uh, hoping that I could get an internship uh, one of the summers I'm out there. And uh, it felt right, so I'm excited that that is the place I'm going to be. I'm kind of jealous. You can go to Colts games and Pacer games. Yeah, yep. All kinds of stuff. Really excited. Yeah, it'll be a good time. You can even check out NASCAR if you want to. Right, yeah, that's true. With having the, you know, long-tenured coaching staff, the experience, where do you fit into their system? Does it seem like a volleyball system or a kind of team that you will gel with or work well with? Good question. Well, you see, they actually um, contacted me and made it sound like you know, uh, I would be going into a very experienced program, you know, which is it's going to be competitive and it's going to be nerve wracking. But I feel like that is what I need because they were talking about how they think that I have, you know, room for improvement. And I think that's really important, especially uh, in athletics. You know, I always want to get better. And the fact that they said that they think that they can help me uh, as a coaching staff to improve and actually reach uh, reach full potential was huge for me. And they contacted you. You didn't even reach out to them. No, no, no. I, I reached out to a bunch of different schools right when I got on a transfer portal, and uh, I got a text from Butler last week, early in the week last week, and uh, everything's just been going so quick, so I got back to them as soon as possible, and it worked out. Good stuff. It's awesome that it worked like that. I just thought it was a cold 
contact. I'm like, hey, that's even cool. But, hey, <laughs> the way it worked out, that transfer portal talked about a couple times on the show, especially with Dave Garsha, baseball coach, seems to work wonders for programs and for student-athletes. Yeah, it really does. Uh, like I said, it's really quick, and it has to kind of has to be quick because especially in situations like this where uh, there's a student transferring that next semester, uh, you know, you got to get all the – transcripts over you have to uh there's a huge process with it so you kind of do have to commit quickly and it goes by a lot faster than if you were to graduate high school and go to a college uh, so is that burden that boulder off of your shoulders now knowing that you have somewhere to go you're gonna play volleyball yeah yes and no um it is definitely relieving that i that i found a place um but you know i tell my family and friends this all the time now it's like you know now is when i really have to work because, uh, you know, I wanna, I'm want i going to obviously want to play for a spot, and I'm going to want to uh, be successful at Butler. So I'm going to work hard uh, in school and working out and playing volleyball, and we'll see where things go. But, yeah, I'm really excited. Now, when we were talking before, you said, hey, LaSalle hadn't been, you know, known for their volleyball, but you had helped, or you've been part of the team finishing third in the conference. Where does Butler kind of rank on the – I guess, college scale of volleyball teams. Are they better than LaSalle's been known for, worse, or, you know, just a volleyball team? Yeah, uh, that's that's tough because, you know, it is a different conference. The Big East um, is definitely more well-known over the Atlantic 10, but, you know, our team had played some uh, Big East teams last year. We played Seton Hall and Villanova, and we beat both of those, both of those teams. So it's hard to, like, put that... Um, you know, in perspective, but Butler is uh, about in the middle of their conference athletically. I think that it'll be interesting to see where they, uh, where we end up in conference this spring. But like I said, uh, I think it just depends on the team and uh, who you play in preseason. Um, we had some good competition last year in preseason. We played Notre Dame, some California teams. So uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the competition on the other side of the court before you get into conference play. That was a very diplomatic answer. but well said well said well said i was thinking in my head while you were saying that i'm like well now that they got marissa justy they'll be all right they're shooting for the top (laughs) no i'm very proud of you happy for you and i know that you will do your best for the team and you know try to help them win some games so congratulations marissa thank you very much so thank you for joining our jersey podcast again this is going to be two interviews in the same show i like it yeah, that was fun. I actually have, um, my mom's over here, she's in the room. Um, I actually have a podcast, I didn't know if you knew that. You do? But, I do, it's called, it's called When Life Gives You Lemons. I started this summer, I was like, that's interesting, because I, uh, I'm on his podcast right now. But maybe <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to text you if you want to be on mine sometime. I would love to, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I've never been a guest before, so I would do it. <laughs> awesome. Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks again, Marissa. And yeah, we'll stay in contact and be on each other's shows. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.